Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to create a thriving real estate business. What's up, guys? We are back. And like I said on Friday and over the past few weeks, switching up a little bit this week, I wanted to start this week with our listing strategy series and did a great interview with Jeremy Kane. I know you guys heard him a couple weeks ago as we started talking about, you know, buyer agent strategies and tips and tricks. And so Jeremy is back today talking about listing agent strategies. I would really encourage you guys pay attention today, take some notes because some of the things you are going to hear today from Jeremy are so counter-cultural that you have not been told it before, right? So I'll even kind of give you a quick preview. But even when Jeremy kind of jumps into the listing presentation that people do and that they bring to a house with the you know price on it already before walking into the home, Jeremy's gonna tell you why he doesn't do that. And I think it's a great strategy and a very valuable lesson on how you can be doing things differently in your real estate business. So appreciate you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoy this interview with my friend and mentor, Jeremy Kane. Let's jump into it. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide. So excited to have you guys with me. It has been a fun couple weeks here in July as we got started talking about buyer strategies. We started the month off with my business update. And then after that, an interview with Jeremy Kane talking about buyer strategies. And I wanted to bring him back again. Jeremy is an amazing friend, mentor, part of the Wolfpack, my sponsor at eXp. And it's been a crazy few months, a ton of value since I got over to eXp. But Jeremy is so good. And again, this is why he's the number one agent in the state of Colorado. So good at kind of guiding the process with his clients, right? We talked a few weeks ago about that buyer process and things he did. So go back to the episode from July 5th and my interview with him. Um, But on today's episode, we're bringing him back about listing strategies. And Jeremy, one of the things he shared on the episode uh, talking about buyer strategies and helping them was a scouting trip. And so that's, that's just something I've been trying in my business to kind of get more clients in the door and connect with them. And super excited to have him back to connect about listings. He lists some amazing homes out there in Colorado. Um, and I know that things he's done, paid for for clients, et cetera, will help you guys as you seek to get more listings. And I'm excited to uh, talk about listings the rest of the month here on the podcast. So Jeremy, welcome back to the show. Good to have you again. Thanks, man. Excited for for this one. This is kind of my uh, the next secret uh, weapon I have, and I'm sharing it all. I'll value all the time, as you know. All right, bro. Well, let's jump into it. Obviously, like I said, you cannot be the number one agent in your state in terms of volume without getting listings, right? I did research once for an episode and the average buyer takes about 40 to 50 hours, probably a little less for you because you kind of guide people and do that scouting trip. But the average listing takes about 10. Um, listings can be hard. I, you know, I know for me, it's you have less of an emotional connection because you might not know them. You list the house and it's not like you're with them, you know, a few dozen times for showing. But kind of let's dive into what you do that kind of stands out from other agents in terms of when you help people list their home. Yeah, I'm the number one agent by volume at EXP in Colorado, not just in Colorado. <laughs> so if you're listening from Colorado, I promise if you have more volume than me, I still love you. You know what? I'll <laughs> but, say in college, he's the number one agent in volume in the world, according to what I made <laughs> up go. on this call. All right. But yeah, um, I appreciate that, John, and I appreciate that recognition. And and the truth is, it's all about finding a way to be a little bit different. There's a lot of agents that work really hard in this industry 
And as a as a listing agent, I, I still am about 50-50 list to buy because of how I do it, how I structure my year. I'm usually very listing heavy in the spring. And then I start crushing buyers as the market cools off a little bit. And it's a little easier to get people under contract through the, the seasonality of our market in Colorado. So as a listing agent, it starts from day one. A lot of people say, what's your listing presentation? I say, just show up and look pretty um, and build rapport. So I knock on someone's door. Not really. I, I have an appointment. I knock on their door. I show up to the appointment. And my goal is to build rapport. And this is a Ricky Carew thing. If you guys know Ricky, he's a, he's an absolutely outstanding agent, also with EXP in Orange Beach, Alabama. Um, but he uh, just talked about building rapport and building rapport. And I had already done this, but I kind of solidified it when he was talking about it. And so my goal is to build rapport with the client, see what they want. Uh, you can see this in some of my testimonials. I recently closed a deal from a, somebody I met off of YouTube. She had been on the market with two different agents prior and hadn't sold her home. Um, she had interviewed hundreds of agents. She was very diligent in her search. And I just went to the thing, showed up, did not have one piece of paper. Now I am having uh, some a packet built just kind of as marketing and branding and stuff like that. But I just show up. I had done my research on the basic comparables of the neighborhood. So I kind of understand the price point. Nothing crazy, literally a 10 minute search, looking through pictures. So I just know what I'm looking at. And then I kind of do a search about what's around and that kind of stuff so I can have conversation. But it's all about building rapport. And I, the first thing I say, and this is kind of the the mic drop uh, moment and, you know, only script I ever really need is, is these one-liners. But I just say, you know, usually they're like, oh, you don't have anything with you. And I'm like, yeah, no, um, it would be disingenuous if I showed up to your house with a pre-printed document that told you how much I thought it was worth before I've seen everything you've done to it and everything you've put into it. And right there, that separates me from every other single agent. I've been on a couple podcasts and shared this, so I hope it doesn't get out too much. Just kidding. But the truth is, is that <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Everybody will do that. And then you'll have to do something different. You'll have to right. come with a presentation. Yeah, I'll come with something different. And the truth is for newer agents out there, it's a little bit scary. But also, if you're not going by the presentation, you're not super tight, you're not nervous. Like it is what it is. You're going there to hang out to say, okay, what have you done? Oh, that is you know, you put your grandmother's, you know, hood over the stove. It's an, you know, ancient hood, whatever, like just taking notes, writing things down, being able to separate yourself from the others. I do mention that I do show up to almost all of my appraisals, if at all possible. And some of these things are things that I will share with the appraiser that will help them determine the value if they're close. Oh, there's that, you know, antique, you know, whatever that's included or, you know, they have a brand new furnace or they have the tankless water heater or whatever it is. I'm just taking notes like I would. Also, this helps me at inspection, right? I'm walking around. I'm like, oh, that furnace is really old. That's probably going to come up. You should have it serviced. So we have a clean bill of health right now so that when the inspector comes in, we have that. So he doesn't say replace it because the HVAC professional said it was okay and working. Things like that. So I'm just going through taking notes on the house. A lot of times they'll ask me for staging help. I typically remove myself from that conversation outside of, yeah, take the personal pictures down, declutter, you know, the very basic stuff that you could find in a Google search. If it's needed, I suggest a staging consultation. Uh, some of the professional stagers in my area will do a $350 consultation. They'll walk through and they'll tell people that they're slobs, not me. And that that helps a lot. <laughs> um, so that's, that's, that's part of the building rapport. 
uh, piece as well. And then you threw I me will... off when you said they tell people they're slobs because it's so true. Yeah, right. And then um, I'll I'll step back and I'll just say, okay, I have what I need. You know, do you have any questions for me? And then we'll explain the process. We'll explain my marketing. We'll explain all of that. And then I say, okay, well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to you know do a deep dive into the data. I'm going to have this list. I'm going to look and I'm going to give you an actual evaluation of what I think we should list your home at. And then we kind of go from there. So handling a lot of objections at that point, I also know exactly what they want to list it for typically uh, because people are pretty transparent uh, when it comes to that. And it works like a charm. Yeah, I I remember still when you first told me this, I kind of I think it it really threw me for a loop because I was like, I think I defended my tactic at first. I'm like, well, well, what if I go with a listing presentation with like without the price on it? Like I write it in there and like and you're like, no, that's still not genuine to me. So I think, too, like, I mean, I'm not saying and we're not telling people you must do it our way. Like if that's genuine to you, bring it. If it's not, don't bring it. But I think it makes a lot of sense to not. Or maybe you're like, here's a handout of the this isn't a full CMA, but here's the comps. Here's the the area and a map of the comps. Um, and people usually know from the comps like I, I just the what I handed out to somebody this morning at an appointment was I think all the comps in their neighborhood were in the like five fifty to five eighty range. And that's kind of what I re- recommended. They kind of know they're not their house is not going to go for six hundred thousand. But I think it's all about, I mean, do you feel in the same way? It's all about being genuine. So if that so you can bring a presentation, but how are you going to stand out? Is that kind of how you approach it? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a caveat. If they're an engineer, I might bring some numbers for them to look at. <laughs> there you <laughs> so go. They're pretty particular. But uh ultimately this gives me a chance to get to know them, get to know what they're looking for, get to know if I even want the listing to be honest, and not say that I don't take almost every listing that I have, but you can build a good rapport with people and you understand what what it's going to take to make a difference. And so that's where it is. That's how I separate myself. That's how I show up for my commission, because now I'm going to go do exactly what all the other agents did with their presentation, but I'm going to have little things that were important, right? I'm not very handy if I built a shelf entertainment center into my home that looks great, then, you know, is that going to change the value? Absolutely not. But you could say, oh, beautiful built-ins or whatever, you know, you can, you can highlight those. In that listing that I got from YouTube, she said to me four times while I was building rapport, not going through my listing presentation, that you could walk to the high schools, the middle school, the elementary school, and the grocery store without crossing a major street. In my video, yes, do video for your listings, not just, I I will tell you, I'm going to get on a soapbox real quick. It's not a video if it's just a picture moving slowly across the screen. I hate that. It flips to the other one. Virtual, virtual, whatever they call them, it drives me crazy. Get on video and take care of that. But in my video, I said, this home is walkable to Cherry Creek High School, you know, blah, 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 blah and even the grocery store. And while I did that, my video editor cut to a drone shot and I said, put an arrow to this path, showing it in this path. In my testimonial, she said, Jeremy is the only agent I've ever talked to that's highlighted that my home was walkable without crossing a busy street to the grocery store and the schools. Mm-hmm. It was important. She said it four times and I could hear it because I wasn't going through my slides. Yep. I think it's, and it's so interesting to like, listen to clients, right? I keep mentioning this client. I, 
I'm showing them land and, you know, I'm going to help them sell their home eventually. And the wife multiple times today said, because these two plots of land we looked at today didn't work out. And, and she's like, I really like this property in Myerstown. And she said it twice. And we kind of, you know, we're doing our thing on the land. And it was like my I need to have a follow up where I say, hey, are we still thinking about this other land? And I know we're talking about listings today, but part of it is like simply open your freaking ears. Listen to what your clients say. That's that to me is a conversation piece to send a text tonight or whatever and say, hey, you know, I know your wife mentioned a couple times this land in Myerstown. Are we still considering that one or is that one out just to kind of remind maybe the husband who's kind of like big picture visionary that maybe we are interested in that land. So let's do the video. Let's talk about it. You have really leveraged video. How are you leveraging it with your listings? And, you know, finally, after months and months of you beating me over the head with a baseball bat, I've started to get on video more. How are you kind of seeing that change your business, especially from the listing side as we talk about that today? Yeah, just I mean, putting content out there for listings. It's it's evergreen content on YouTube, my YouTube channel, um, both for agents and I have a different one for for the client facing side is is huge and it gives you credibility. Like that's the biggest thing. Like I don't have the the number one YouTube channel in the world. I don't pull leads from my YouTube channel like crazy, but I provide education, right? I provide education that's not mainstream media, fear-mongering, things like that. And, and that's really helped. And I do highlight some, some neighborhoods and some towns in my area. And I also do some client testimonials on there. So it's just a collection. It's almost like a, you know, like an artist's portfolio of like, Hey, this is what you get when you're, you're dealing with Jeremy, like obviously major street cred for knowing the market, knowing all the things and knowing when the interest rate goes down and how that affects and, and knowing all of that. So that's street cred alone. Then the property tours are really just vanity, right? And and I will tell you that a lot of real estate agents, one real estate agent in our group at EXP has absolutely dominated just by property tours, right? And so everybody kind of jumped on the bandwagon. Well, first of all, most people aren't as good as Suman at doing the property tours. And mm-hmm. secondly, not everyone lives in the same place that he lives where you can get a three quarter of a million dollar mansion on acreage brand new. And so it's it's a lot of just the market and what's going on because now everybody's doing home tours. Well, home tours are great, but people are going to just keep scrolling to see home tours. They're not going to scroll to connect with an agent, you know, in that same same regard. And that's that's kind of watered down in my opinion. So having some education in there is great. Bringing them in with home tours is is awesome, right? But as you know, views, subscribers, are vanity metrics. And so I I haven't talked to, I don't know, the last time I talked to a client at a scouting trip or a listing appointment where they do not say the words, I was watching your video, (laughs) you know, whether it's my Why Invest Wednesdays on Facebook or whatever. So really just change, really about staying top of mind and just credibility is is key. How do you guide your clients through the entire listing process? without i mean and again like your swamp what you do is incredible how do you kind of i mean this sort of relates to even the buyer side that we talked about a few weeks ago but even from a listing perspective just clients in general how do you make them feel like they matter how do you make them kind of feel like they can ask you questions like without them feeling like lost in the shuffle or the weeds or even specifically for listings right like 
you you have the home it's under contract there's no you know inspections are done or waived or whatever how do you kind of make sure that the client still feels like hey i'm checking in i'm here for you if you have anything any questions instead of like they don't hear from you for three weeks yeah to be honest um a lot of that's from that rapport building right Mm -hmm. and a lot of people just trust that i'm doing what i need to do I mean, do I absolutely have like a Tuesday follow-up where I say I'm going to follow up with people that are selling their home that are still in the market? Yes. But do I, you know, do that every single Tuesday? No. <laughs> like, But we're in constant communication. I'm constantly texting them if I get, you know, decent feedback because they're seeing that with our showing services now and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, just, and I also set the expectation. I said, you're going to get some feedback. 90% of agents fill out feedback and they say the price is high. And the truth is, is that unless they actually sat down and did comps, they have no clue. Right. So, I mean, they just put that on there almost as a favor. So I kind of, you know, I frame that and say, we're Mm -hmm. just going to do this. And I actually call agents to get feedback when the time comes, but patience is huge as well. And I feel like sometimes we over communicate Mm -hmm. when things aren't good. And that's really hard for me because communication is king. And I know that that's something that you preach as well. But if I don't have anything to say to them, like I don't overly communicate to them. If you don't need to check in, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, all these showings are saying it's like not in. Hey, we haven't had a showing in two weeks. Do you want to talk about why? Because yeah. whose fault is it going to be? Yours. Yours. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter if there's a hurricane or, you know, whatever. So I don't necessarily promise communication all the time because then when they don't hear from me for a week, they're like, okay, well, it is what it is. Like, and they expect that I'm following up and I'm, I'm doing this. And that's why when I do get some follow up and stuff, I do clue them into what's going on. But that's, that's kind of how that rolls. How do you guide a client? Cause I think this is big to, you know, I think one of the hardest things in my business as a realtor is pricing a home aggressively, knowing the market, but not so aggressively that it sits on the market, right? We all talk about in real estate, that critical two weeks. So how do you kind of say to someone, hey, you're overpriced, hey, you're underpriced, right? How do you kind of manage that as you go to list a home? Um, I, I think a lot of that comes into the pricing piece, right? And I I just talked to them a little bit about being overpriced. I'm not one to not take a listing because they have too high of expectation. I'm also known to take some pretty tough listings, things that have been expired. You know, people are reaching out like, hey, can you help us sell this? I've done that probably three or four times in the last six months because it's just a strategy. And I market it like crazy up front. And I know that if we're going to get anything at asking or above, I probably have to get it done in two weeks. Um, So that that initial hit to the market, I talk about that a lot. And so, but then they also know, like I set the expectation and I'm, t- I'm in weekly meetings with an amazing title gal in Colorado and, and a lender. And they're talking about what's the average showings, what's the, you know, what's the average showing to contract, what's, you know, the average close to list price, all of those things I have by zip code and presented to me every single week. If you're in Colorado and you don't know who Nicole and Megan are, you you know, reach out to me and I'll, I'll connect you with them. Cause that's just a weapon for my business, but just knowing that market and being able to talk about it and being able to, you know, here's the deal. Like people are prideful about their homes. <laughs> like, and this is their money. This is their life savings. 
you know, this is everybody's biggest bank account right now, especially with mm-hmm. what we've seen in equity across the nation in the last couple of years. So we have to understand that, but we also have to bring reality to the table and look at the cost, the holding cost, right? Like I had a, a place that my clients had never moved into and we were on the market for 200 days, right? But this was a very unique property, okay? And I was like, it's okay. This is what we're doing. This is why it's unique, right? We have a $900,000 listing that doesn't have a master bath, right? So if people are looking for $900,000 listings, they're expecting you know, the nicest house, you know, in Lakewood, even it's Denver, you know, that's a pretty nice house for 900,000. Well, this happened to be on two thirds of an acre, which was extremely unique. It had a ditch rights for irrigation. It had public water. So it was very unique in where it was. And so I continued to tell agents, I said, I understand that it's, you know, not a $900,000 house, but it's a $900,000 piece of property. One day, 203, we got two offers and I got 10,000 under our asking price. Interesting. And that's happened because it's just about being patient. We can't forget how to negotiate and what our value brings. Like my client didn't want to drop their their value eight fifty thousand dollars mm-hmm. They just didn't want to do it. And I had discussed the strategy of dropping it majorly and hoping it gets bid up in time with the interest rates or whatever. And they just didn't want to do it. And I thought all along I could get an appraisal at the list price. And that's what I base it on. Like if I have the data that I can argue with an appraiser that this is what the value is, then I mean, it is what it is. We just got to be patient. And then it's their expectation and what their needs are if we need to lower it and offload it or not. And that's one thing I will tell you. I might've mentioned this already. I meet the appraisers out there. This is the individual that's actually going to determine the sales price of the home. And if you're not doing that, just another way to separate yourself. If you're at that listing appointment and you have to have that listing presentation, make sure one of the things says, I'm going to meet the appraiser at the home with a listing packet, right? A lot of people talk about appraisal packages now and they just send them via email. I'm going to meet the appraiser there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What kind of things are you doing, especially in a higher dollar area to promote their listings? I mean, professional photo and video, I'm sure for you is a must. Like it grinds my gears and guys, realtors out there, you are a professional. This is one I'm going to kind of dive into in one of the solo episodes over the next couple of weeks. Like, please stop taking pictures on your iPhone. Like my photographer, it's 150 bucks. It's out of my pocket, but it makes me look really good to the client when I say, by the way, I pay for the photos out of pocket. I pay for the property website. Jeremy, photos, obviously, what else are you kind of doing to kind of maybe advertise your listing or promote it or make it you know, look good? that a lot of realtors just are not willing to spend a few bucks on. Yeah, the video I sometimes stage that's part of my listing package. If you're going to get the top listing package, you know, you're going to get the top pay the top commission that I charge. I'm going to pay for staging in that listing that was on the market for 203 days, I paid for staging the whole time. <laughs> it sucked. But yep. did I make a very good profit? Yes. Yeah. Right? The listing that I had from the YouTube lead that I've referenced a few times, $1.1 million listing. The listing agent before said, lower the price or I'm going to pull the staging, right? She wouldn't let me stage it because she didn't want that to be held over her head again. But that is absolutely not what you'll ever hear from me, right? So it's about caring. Here's the deal. We get paid a lot of money to do what we do, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not, I'm not saying we get paid too much money, but- you know, putting a little bit of money back into the deal at the end of the day is more than worth it. 
right? The other day I had some some older clients and they'd moved out and they'd gone to clean the house and they just didn't clean out some crumbs in the drawers and and the house was left, you know, pretty messy for what it is. And that's a tough spot because in Colorado, it's the standard is broom swept. There's a lot of opinions on that. And so I just said, you know what, buyer's agent, you got a cleaner, like what do they charge? $650 massively overpaid. But I was like, just done, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't going to. It was a one point four million dollar house. I wasn't gonna not take a forty thousand dollar commission check and not pay six hundred fifty bucks so that the house was cleaned and to that buyer's mm-hmm. desires. Like, just yeah. get rid of it. Not even go back to my client. Right. Mm-hmm. This client, had, you know, bought two point seven five million dollars worth of real estate. Bought and sold two point seven five million dollars worth of real estate in one year's time. I can afford to make the buyer happy and not call him and be like, Hey, I also went up there and took a TV off the wall that the buyer decided they didn't want 50 inch flat screen TV the morning of closing before I went on vacation, that same house, but I got a 50 inch TV and it's going to my lake house now. I so, was, I'm whatever. laughing because I remember calling you that day and you're yeah. like, what are you doing? And you say, I'm on way, my way to pick up a 50 inch TV that the set that the buyer didn't want from my listing. So yeah. it cracks me up. Um, before we close out, I would love to hear, I'm sure you do this because you're always kind of going above and beyond for clients. One of my solo ep- episodes that we're going to talk about this month is kind of leveraging the offers, right? And if your client, I know in Pennsylvania, if your client gives you permission to share the amount you are allowed, right? That's that's our state's policy. I, I think when I watch listing agents, it's very easy for them to get lazy and be like, oh yeah, well, highest and best by 2 p.m. And I recently, and I'll talk about it on that episode, I got an extra 10,000 bucks for my client recently by kind of leveraging, hey, do you want to increase your offer? Do you want to do this? I got appraisal gap coverage. Do you do anything like that? Kind of at, it's again, difficult because it's at the last minute. It's right before you kind of go under contract. Do you make any, do you kind of encourage any adjustments from the buyer side? Well, I can't give my secrets away. (laughs) But no, I'm just kidding. The truth is, is that I'm where I do overly communicate is with agents that have sent me offers, mm-hmm. right? And our policy is the same. Uh, I still haven't quite figured out why agents are so protective of what they're under contract for and why that is and why that would impact the seller in any way. Um, so I don't, I mean, I obviously follow the rules, but if I get one offer, and this is why you can get multiple offers on day 203 and multiple offers on day 30 and all of this is I say, okay, here it is. And what I did with the one that was on from July, like for 10 months or whatever it was, is I had an architect that I had to meet for a buyer because the other agent was out of town. So someone was coming to look at this house and they had an architect, right? And so I said, hey, the architect, they're like, I can't be there. And I was like, well, I can't just give the lockbox code. Like, so I went and sat there and they took, I took the card. Well, then the next buyer was like, hey, we're looking at doing something here. So I was like, Hey, this architect has already been there. We just got an offer last night and this architect's already been to the the house. So you might want to call them and just get a basis idea. Um, it's, it was a well-known architect in the area. Actually, the buyer's agent knew them. And so I was able to get those people motivated with a low ball offer in hand to call this person who had already been there and done the legwork and their, their client decided not to make an offer. And that architect is now doing the work on that house uh, because that buyer got it. 
And so it's just communicating like, okay, you got two, boom, right? Oh, well, we got this offer. Like you better come hot, right? They're already interested. The architects send them the pictures, like all the things they come in really close to, you know, full price after being on the market for 10 months is pretty, pretty impressive. So you just got to leverage and communicate that way. I didn't share the price at that point because it was $150,000 under ask, (laughs) but it's an offer, right? There's another offer out there. Another thing I'll do is, Hey, like we have a few more showings tomorrow. Will you guys come up a bit and I'll take it off the market right now? Oh, that's really good. Yep. Yep. And so, and that's the, that's the key to just communicating because I've gotten people to come up to list price or go a little bit over, you know, or they have an escalation clause because they're putting in early. Well, if they have an escalation clause with a limit, which I don't suggest doing, I know exactly what they're obviously willing to pay for because they put it on the escalation clause. So, Hey, you come up to that number right now, I'll cancel these five showings. Now make sure you have showings and you're not misrepresenting that. But if it's opening weekend and I have you know, five more showings between Saturday night and Sunday. And I've had 25 showings. I probably have a pretty good idea what, what the offers Mm -hmm. are going to look like anyways. And if I only have one or two, I want to go in and say, Hey, you can have this right now. If you go to this, this price. That's so good. And I think it's, it's just so interesting. You communicate, you know, the one I recently listed, they said the first day we're on the market, they're like, I'm bringing you a cash offer at list price, no inspections. And like normally, you know, cash is king. And I'm like, I know this listing well enough. I know that people are going to be interested. I'm going to recommend to my client that we actually don't take a cash offer the day we go on. the, You know, and if it's 20K over list, yeah, sure. But list priced cash is like, eh. And it ended up being, I basically said to him, now I didn't lie. I was like, my person is in a nursing home. They cannot sign tonight. You got to give me till tomorrow. I'm still going to let other agents see the home tomorrow and put offers in. And he ended up being like the third or fourth best offer. But it's just about leveraging those conversations for your sellers. I think, I think a lot of agents out there forget like your fiduciary responsibility is to your whatever client, buyer or seller. So in this case, the seller, like, I'm sorry, I feel really bad. And you know, I kind of got emotional. One of the offers was like, This single mom, USDA, was trying to afford a home, was striking out on a lot. I kind of felt bad and I wanted to help her. But at the end of the day, my fiduciary responsibility selling that home was to my client to get the most money. So, yeah, and I think that's that's key. And I don't I don't really ever talk numbers. I think there was a time in our market where we were seeing like 10, 15 percent over ask price come in and. That's where, you know, saying numbers can be a little bit different. Right now we have, we're, you know, at ask or above or whatever, you know, you can use adjectives to kind of, kind of give, give them a vague idea of what they need to do to come in. But, you know, when you're, when you're talking that market that we had previously, like, Hey, we're at 50,000 over ask, like then you're limiting, right? Because then someone's going to come at 55 and maybe they would have come in at a hundred, and so I guess that's why the old adage goes that way. And that's why it could be a negative to your buyer. So I, I don't typically talk about price, but on the buy side, I'm very inquisitive and can usually say, you know, and and oddly enough, when I'm in the house, I know the market so well, I'm like, hey, you're going to have to go X amount over or this amount over or whatever. And I, I always, the other secret I have for buyers and why I'm pretty successful is I offer on ones and uh, sixes. Um, instead of zeros and fives. Hmm. So 250, you'll see a lot of my transactions, 251, 256, 
557, you know, something not that's 555 or 560, because that's typically how people think. And if you can be the last one in at 1000 over asking, I mean, it doesn't even matter, right? A thousand divided by 360 is. Or even a thousand over, right? A thousand over, like if people are coming in on the fives and tens, I didn't even think about that. And you come in at 251. Well, the other offer they got was 250 and you're going to beat it. So how do you. At least be in the conversation. Yeah. (laughs) last, Last thing and then we'll get out of here. How do you guide your sellers in a multiple offer situation? How to best decide what offer to take? Because it's not always the bottom uh, dollar sometimes. Yeah, typically, um, I mean, you know your seller because I built rapport back on day one. Yep. Um, so I know what their inspirations are. Number two, it's a lot of agent relationship, mm-hmm. right? If I have communication with agents, I I know a lot of agents in, in my market. And I know a lot of agents that are good. And I know a lot of agents that are bad. I know a lot of agents that try and be bullies. And I know a lot of agents that are workable. And so that matters, right? Who you who you have represent you matters because in my experience, there's not one usually offer that's completely knock it out of the park, right? All the offers come in at the same, right? If you're in the first time home buyer thing, you're going to have an appraisal gap of five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, maybe, right? If you're if you're in a move up, you know that's when you know we're going to see appraisal waivers and inspection clauses and that kind of stuff in competitive markets. And so you just have those conversations. And at the end of the day, you know, buyers are doing everything they possibly can in those competitive markets. And, you know, you know where you can push the buttons and not. Typically, I find an offer I like. And, you know, I like the terms. I like their dates. I like their agent. You know, this agent communicated with me, has communicated with me all weekend. You know, they're in it that it shows that their buyer really wants it. This agent hasn't even called me. I don't even know if their buyer's been in the house, right? Because their name isn't on the showing role, which in in our world can be yep. like a teammate shows it or whatever. And so I, I really do some investigation. And the agent that's over the top annoying sometimes is usually the agent that their buyers absolutely want it. And if their buyers absolutely want it, if there's little inspection stuff or there's little appraisal stuff, I know that's going to benefit the seller. So it's really about communication, relationships, you know, and then putting it all in front of them and saying, this, these are the facts and these are the, this is my feeling on it. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you so much, guys. I know I said it when he was on earlier this month, but Jeremy's been a huge uh, friend, mentor, and he also, besides being at EXP and my sponsor and crushing it, uh, he has an awesome podcast and YouTube channel, The Real Estate Agent Playbook. So listen to it on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts and check out his YouTube channel where you can learn how to create success in your real estate business. So Jeremy, appreciate you so much. Thanks for being on twice this month and sharing your buyer strategies and listing strategies. We appreciate you so much. and We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And your inspiration with the podcast and and your ability to really reach out and help agents and be there is, is inspired me to to do what I've done. And I I'm excited that we have uh two great podcasts and, you know, YouTube channels, your, your YouTube channels coming, right? We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate you so much and, and your heart to serve is, uh, I gotta get, we'll, uh, we'll keep building what I'm doing with EXP and, uh, I, we should make it a goal. Like before the end of the year, John has to have a YouTube channel. I'll get there. Jeremy's, right. Jeremy's been very gracious. Cause he's like, no, just get on board and everything first. So, I appreciate you, bro. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. 
Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Survival Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the show. Thank you so much, and we will see you on the next episode.